welcome to the Husker CuzCast Sports Show, the official podcast of HuskerHype.com. This is Justin, along with the cousins Derek and Tyler. Well, guys, we have our new coach, Scott Frost, is returning to Lincoln, and he's making buku money. Seven-year contract of $35 million. That is a huge payday for him. And I tell you what, there was no Husker football on this weekend, as far as games are concerned, but what an exciting time to be a Husker. With the press conferences coming on with Bill Moose and Scott Frost, we got ourselves a winner here. Tyler, what were your thoughts on the press conference this weekend? I, I think this was the most excited I've been all season for Husker football. And we didn't even play. I mean, it, it was incredible. You know, Scott Frost came to town and you it was different. And I, and I embraced Riley when he was here that he got Nebraska football. Not like Frost. I mean, the way he talked about everything, he was truly a Husker through and through. He understood it. Um, you know, the biggest takeaway I had is he brought up unity. He said that, talked about unity of purpose, unify the state. He mentioned unity about five to six different ways. And I think that was one of the things um, really lacking from Nebraska football. And that's one of the things that immediately he has done is unify Husker Nation. Uh, I, I, I am thrilled beyond belief. It, it, it's a great day to be a Husker fan. Hands down. Derek, how excited were you? This is the most excited I've been since my son was born, most likely. <laughs> you know what? It, it was exciting, guys. This is the guy we wanted, and, and this is exactly why I wanted Frost so bad, is for the unity. Because I think that he was the only one out there that was going to unify this whole fan base. And he's done it already. I have, I have talked to maybe one or two people, and their only complaint is we're paying him too much. Well, quit worrying about it. It's not coming out of your pocket. Right. You know, I, I get tired of hearing that argument. Oh, we're... You know, we keep firing coaches and blah, blah, blah. Well, guess what? You're not paying for it. So quit, just quit worrying about it. Let the university worry about the money. That's their job. Our job is to keep the stadium full and support the damn fan, support the damn team. Keep doing that. One thing that I was impressed with this press conference was his ability to work the crowd. I didn't know that Scott Frost had that ability. I mean, he came off funny at times, and he was just like the big old hoo-ha, you know, just – rallying the troops you know i mean i was sitting on my couch watching this press conference and i was stoked and he had a quote on there when he was asked about you know modifying his offense for the big 10 and when his answer came back you know we're hoping that the big 10 has to modify their system for us i mean that was one of the things i stood up from my couch and went yeah you know <laughs> I, it was that, it was that was, was by far the best quote of, of, of the whole press conference, I think. Uh, and I think most of Husker, Husker Nation will agree with that. And it, it was just fun listening to everybody in the background cheering. I was laughing. I thought it was hilarious. I was, just, I was like, that is awesome. That is the best answer you could ever give in a press conference right there, I thought. And he was, he was so dead set. You know, he was stone-faced when he said it, too. I mean, he was just like, I'm not kidding, dudes. <laughs> For real. <laughs> I love it. Uh, so here he is, you know, and they get to work pretty quick uh, recruiting. We'll get into recruiting a little bit. But, uh, Tyler, what can you tell us about the, the assistance that we know of? I mean, it, it looks like he is bringing his whole Central Florida coaching staff. And, mm -hmm. and when he was when this whole thing went down and we thought we were going to get Frost, I wrote down some of the coaches on that staff who I thought would be good ones to bring and, and I had about four positional coaches I thought would be likely to bring. And, and the coordinators, I thought, man, they could go either way. Um, but, you know, listening to Scott Frost talk, it reminds me of Tom Osborne. And there was a quote that goes back many, many years when he was thinking about taking a job at Colorado, when he was decided against that. And he talked about making the decision as a staff to stay at Nebraska. And I feel like this may have not only been his dream job, but I think he really, really wanted that staff's buy-in. And I think as a collective unit, they made the decision to come to Nebraska and follow Scott Frost. And I think that type of going back to the unity is going to be something different for Husker Nation. We've been talking about firing assistant coaches um, a lot. I, I, I think him his loyalty to this staff is going to last more than just this coaching change. 
I think he is going to be very loyal to these guys, and we're probably going to be with these assistants for a long time. Yeah. I, absolutely, you're right, Tyler. Uh, you know, we have three guys coming here that were former Huskers. One, one of them hasn't quite been hired yet in Barrett Root. He's going to coach the inside linebackers. And it sounds like he's going to be our 10th assistant come January. Although he is out recruiting right now, so I'm not sure how they're handling that or how that works. But uh, Ryan Held, a, for, a former running back, walk-on, played while, played with Frost in, in 95 and 96. Uh, the, the only one that concerns me a little bit is that Eric Chenandler, or Chenander. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm sure I'm going to have to hear that a few times before I get it right. <laughs> But, you know, he, he was nominated for the Broyles Award last year. They, they do have a lot of turnovers over the last two seasons with him as a defensive coordinator. But that kind of goes back to the Diaco era, the whole one year of that, where we all thought, oh, we're going to get a lot of turnovers under this uh, with Diaco in charge. So I, I don't know. I, he, he scares me a little bit. He gave up over 600 yards to South Florida and over 700 yards to uh, Memphis, and a lot of points to both of them. So I, he worries me a little bit, but he does seem like he, I, if, if, if Frost trusts him, why shouldn't I, I guess? Well, one thing I've noticed about this, uh, these coaches, not only is Scott Frost getting paid, these assistants are getting paid buku dollars too. They are making it rain. And as far as the assistants coming in and him bringing in mostly his whole staff for Central Florida. Hey, man, I you kind of said it there, Derek. You know, trust in Frost. You know, I trust what Scott Frost is bringing to the table. After that press conference, there's nobody in that room that knows what is more at stake, what is on the line, what Nebraska needs to do to get back to the top. And if these are the set, of, these are the guys that he's bringing in to get that job done. He's got the right guys, in my opinion, Tyler. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, it's all about trusting in Frost, and and it, it's not like unwarranted trust where some of that was with Riley staff when he brought from Oregon State. They just went 12 and 0. I mean, whatever formula he had at UCF, I mean, we we will have conversations of how that's going to translate to Nebraska, but it worked. I mm. mean, it, it's a proven formula, and and this isn't like Frost met these guys two years ago when he went to Central Florida. A lot of these guys coached with him at Oregon. A lot of these guys are Chip Kelly guys and coached with Chip Kelly when he was at the Eagles. Um, he, he coached with these guys, been around these guys, whether it be at Northern Iowa, Nebraska playing, uh, with Oregon, at, obviously at UCF. He's been around these guys for most of his life, um, or at least since 18, uh, Ryan Held's situation. He knows these guys. He trusts these guys. Um I, I, I mean, they're mostly young guys like Scott Frost, a lot of 30-some-year-old guys. Um, it, it's going to be a whole different ballgame for Husker Nation. Well, there's been one coaching staff this year in FBS football to go undefeated, and it's Scott Frost and his staff. The yeah. only team in FBS that did it. So, Derek. Well, you talk about uh, his time at Northern Iowa, and the one coach, he's, well, he's, he brought a couple of these guys from Northern Iowa, but... The one that kind of drew my attention was this Mario Verduzco, who's the quarterback's coach. Yep. He's got 41 years experience. I mean, yeah. he's the one guy. That, he's the one guy. The one coach on the team that's not a younger guy, but no, he, he's I mean, not. He's got 41 <laughs> years experience. But the thing is, most of that's been 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 being a quarterback's coach. So you, I mean, look what he did with the quarterback in Central Florida. I don't know if that guy was a highly – he wasn't a highly touted recruit. And he turned him into a pretty damn good quarterback. And so I, I'm curious to see what he can do with some of our high, more highly recruited quarterbacks or if they just decide to pick somebody else up and these quarterbacks end up transferring. I don't know. I, it's going to be it's going to be a fun offseason, guys. There's going to be a lot to talk about, I think, between now and start up of football. And there's a few more staff moves that he needs to make on uh, uh, to get the staff complete. Uh, so we'll, we'll see. We'll wait to see how he fills those remaining slots. The only controversial piece of Scott Frost right now is 
the talk of him coaching in the Peach Bowl against Auburn. Do you guys see any problem with Scott Frost coaching Central Florida in the bowl game? Derek? I have no problem with this whatsoever. If it, if it makes him happy and this is what he wants to do, those players deserve to have him there. I, I get it. I'm fine with it. It's it, it, what what more of a greater recruiting tool can you have than coaching the Peach Bowl against Auburn? Sure. And yeah. you know, and, and the whole thing is is December as of December 18th, you got a recruiting dead uh, dead period. So he's going to be down there with a the team during that time when you're not recruiting anyway. So so be it. Let it let him do it. What do you think, Tyler? Yeah, I'm not as hot on this. Um, and Derek, I, I reiterate, if this is something that Scott Frost really wants to do, I respect the loyalty. I, I don't have a major problem with it. Where, where my problem lies is twofold. You mentioned the recruiting tool, and, and it could be. If he goes out and plays a great game against Auburn, that could be a great recruiting tool. But if he goes out there and gets blown out by Auburn, Maybe a little bit of that shine falls off Scott Frost in the recruiting realms. Uh, you know, I don't know what he would be doing in Nebraska if it wasn't coaching, but maybe that could be his vacation. So he's a little bit more fresh when it comes time for spring ball. Maybe he could be watching this roster and some of the film from this year and figuring it out. I, I just, at the end of the day, I, I think there's a reason why most coaches don't go back to coach that game. Um, it, it's not great, I think, for the upcoming team. And I don't think it's really that great for Central Florida either. I, I think they need to move on. It's probably not that fun for them to come back for a coach who's there for two weeks. Uh, I, I just I don't know if I love that decision. To me, if this was just a regular bowl game, you know, just one of the 40 bowl games that are out there, but this, this is a big bowl. This is a, a New Year's Six bowl. So I applaud that Scott Frost is going to go coach in this, especially since he's taken all of his assistants with him. Central Florida, they deserve to have some coaches, the good coaches, you know, coach them up against Auburn. Otherwise, you know, it just doesn't sound right. Uh, so, you know, they have, a, they have a shot to play Auburn and beat a team that Alabama was unable to, <laughs> to beat. <laughs> and then uh, also, I was... I was so hoping when the Bulls uh, when the Bulls were coming out that Central Florida would have been paired up against Wisconsin. How awesome would that have been to see a Scott Frost offense go against a Badger defense in the offseason? I think that would be fun if it works, if they won. But it could be bad as, like, if they lose. Wisconsin's like, yeah, we'll have your number at Nebraska, too, but... I, I uh, guess I guess I see why that didn't happen though. You, it would be upsetting to Wisconsin to have to play Western Michigan last year in the what was it the Cotton Bowl I think, and then yeah. have to turn around and play the Group of Five again the second year in a row. I mean, and, and look, Western Michigan gave them everything they had to handle, but I, I think they just want to go on and play a better competition. Although it will, you're right, it would be fun. It would be fun to see because it kind of gives you a little bit of a vision of what maybe Scott Frost could do against Wisconsin. Well, I think I, Central I, Florida I, is the best team in Florida, including with uh, Miami. I think Central Florida beat Miami, but I, I think there's real, real merit to that. I, I guess, but let me ask you guys this this way. You know, I, I get where you're coming from. It, it's a nice story for him to finish out, but don't you guys kind of see it as? The page has turned with Central Florida. I mean, we'll get into recruiting, but he's kind of going after some of Central Florida's recruits. Mm -hmm. He's kind of picking this. Isn't it kind of the, the story's done with him at Central Florida? Don't you think it's time just for him to rip it off clean instead of him going back? Or you guys don't see it that way at all? No, no. I think what he's doing, going back to coach them in their bowl game after a 12-0 season, it's an honorable thing. And that just goes to show his uh, character and his level of commitment to the team. I think it's very honorable. I, I, I think some fans down there may not want him back. Oh, the, yeah. The, well, of course, I think he's going to be better. I, I don't care about their fans. I care about their players <laughs> more than I care about their fans. And I think the yeah. players. I think the players would be honored to have him come back for one more game. And I think that's cool. He he definitely has okay. a, a deep a deep. Uh, 
level of interest in these guys. I mean, they, he, he, he generally cares for them, and I believe that. And there's no reason not to let him do this. There's just no reason. I agree. I agree. There's no reason. If he wants to do it, I just, I just question, is that the best for business? Is that the best decision to make? Yeah. All right. So the legend of Scott Frost is growing. He goes to Central Florida, takes an 0-12 team to a 6-6, and then a 12-0 and team. Now that he's at Nebraska, we're coming off a 4-8 and season. What are realistic expectations in year one under Scott Frost? Derek. I guess to be to give a general answer, a generic answer, is just get us back to bowl eligibility. That needs to be your number one priority. If you can go six and six, I think most people will be happy. But looking at the schedule, honestly, I don't see any reason why we shouldn't be able to win seven or eight games next year. I know we have a very tough schedule, but there are seven or eight very winnable games next year too. Tyler. I, I'm with you on bull eligibility. I, I don't know if I'm with you on the, you know, possible eight victories. Um, you know, Scott Frost is a hell of a coach. And, and I, I think we're excited for him for a reason because he has proven that. Next year's schedule is brutal. And I look at this roster, and especially on the offensive side of the ball, I don't know how this roster is going to fit into his scheme. Um, I, I mean, Tanner Lee came out and talked about it, and he made a – I don't even know if it was a joke or serious about him needing to get more mobile for next year. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I, I think if you look at the roster, if Tanner Lee does come back and he doesn't transfer or go pro, he probably on paper is going to be the best quarterback. God, that's going to be interesting to see what he does in this system. Um, wide receiver, wide receiver depth was a huge issue this year. I, I don't see it being fixed next year. Um, I, I just think that we are not going to have all the horses to run uh, this offense yet, and I, I really think next year bull eligibility is kind of, kind of the expectation and kind of the goal for next year. So it's so, okay. You, you say that. Let me let me ask you this. I'm, I'm just going to go a little. I mean, we don't need to get in depth in it, but I want to kind of go over the games I think are winnable, and I want you to tell me if you think they're winnable or should be wins for Nebraska. We have Akron, Colorado, and Troy for non-conference. I think all three of those should be winnable games. Depending Fair on enough. Colorado, Colorado could be tough, but but we get them at home. But we get them at home. Uh, Purdue at home, winnable game, should yep. win. At Northwestern, we always play good at Northwestern. We seem to play better there than we do at home for whatever reason. But it's been a true statement since we've been in the Big Ten. Minnesota. I don't. I mean, I don't know. Illinois. North- I, I, I got Illinois as a win. I mean, that's to me, there's seven games right there that you should you should be able to I, win. I, I don't know. Minnesota and Northwestern, I think, are going to be tougher games than you think. I mean, Northwestern's a good team. I know we've played well there traditionally. Um, I, it, it's going to be what this team looks like. And I, I think there's way too many question marks for me to say at Northwestern, a team that ended the year in the top 20 is a winnable game on the road or a Highly likely. Of course it's winnable. Is it a highly likely win? At this point, I'm not ready to say. Let's just see what we look like during the spring game. See if we have the horses to uh, well, I'll do tell you this much. wants to do. I, I, I bet money that this game, this spring game is going to break attendance records. A- oh, anybody yeah, yeah. want to take, oh, take the, 20 bucks on that? No, yeah. this, this spring game <laughs> is going to sell out. Almost guaranteed this, this spring game will sell out. Okay, so... Yeah, and I so back to the realistic expectations for year one. You know, getting bull eligible, I think that's a good starting point. But you know what? If if we go five and seven, I would not be shocked if we went five and seven either. Uh, so Bill Moose recently he was asked how long it would take to uh, turn around a place like Nebraska. You know, and uh, he said something along the lines that you know. Given with everything that Nebraska has, you know, with facilities and whatnot, about two to three years. Uh, Tyler, do you think that's really enough time for top, uh, for Scott Frost to uh, turn it around? I, yeah, I think I think the question is, what is turning around Nebraska? If, if turning around Nebraska is getting us back to the Boat Pelini era, 
where we win nine games, compete for division titles. I think two years is enough. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when it, when it comes to Scott Frost, I think year one's going to be challenging with the schedule and the roster. But I think in two years, um, there, there's enough talent on this roster. If he can keep it for these young guys, I think two years, we should be able to compete for a division title. But the reality is, is some of that's on Frost. And I know he, that quote about the Big Ten needing to amend to him, he, he's going to have to meet a little bit. I, I think for him to get his system up and running the way he wants it offensively, if he wants to compete for a division title in year two, I, I think he's going to have to amend his style a little bit um, to maybe a little bit more of a le- less mobile quarterback system, um, a little bit more, I don't want to call it pro style, but yeah, just a little bit different. He's pass happy the way it is, but it's going to have to look a little bit different. Um, than he did at UCF, I think, in year two. But I think if he does that, which I think he's smart enough to make those tweaks, I don't want to say change it, but those tweaks, I think year two, we can be competing for a division title. Sure. I, I agree. And as far as changing his offense, I, I don't know if he needs to change his offense as much as he needs to change the tempo. I mean, he's going to be facing essentially 13 different Stanfords who was the one good team at stopping Oregon. Because that is basically what Oregon does. They're basically like a Big Ten team that plays good defense and methodically runs down the field. So, I mean, I, I guess if you're going to change your, your anything on your offense, it might be the tempo of it. Uh, is, is two or three years, uh, yeah, absolutely. If you could turn around an 0-12 team to a 12-0 team, in two years, and I'm not saying he has to do that at Nebraska. I understand that there's different different things that are going to happen here, but as far as turning it around, should you play, be playing for a division title in two or three years? I think so. I think that's absolutely fair to ask. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, Tyler? I, I, you know, but Derek, you, you say the tempo, and I think the, the one thing that, that is core to his belief is that tempo. I think that if you look at Scott Frost's offense, what he believes um, the most about this offense is, is that tempo is key to success. I, I I could be wrong. I've been wrong many a times in my life. I think that's the one thing he's going to hold on to, whether it be maybe he decides to run the ball more than he did at UCF because at UCF he passed more. But I think that tempo is going to be the thing he holds on to. I'm not saying you can't still run up-tempo. I just don't know if you can run it as up-tempo as you did at Central Florida. Because you're going to put your defense in a lot of bad spots if you're trying to run that much of an up-tempo offense. That's fair. Well, speaking of tempo, uh, this coaching staff, they did not wait to get to uh, recruiting. They started recruiting right away. They didn't even celebrate that win at Central Florida. They... uh, they're off to a fast start. Tyler, what stuck out to you about the uh, recruiting efforts thus far? I, I think the biggest thing that stuck out to me is how Frost and company have given zero shits about what Riley was doing in recruiting. Um, you know, from the first two days, it looks like he's made contact with two uh, recruits, not any commits even of the Riley staff. Uh, they have reached out and offered roughly 29 players uh and only two of them have been guys that were previously gone after. I think I think you're looking at a guy who's really coming in here, and he is changing the guard here at Lincoln. Derek, what stands out to you? These guys are cutthroat. I'm loving it. Every single second of it. Out of all the guys they've gone after, they've already gone after 11 players that are committed to other teams. Six of those have, have been committed to Tennessee, Arkansas, or Florida State have been or are committed to them. So these, these schools that are struggling to find a coach, they're just going, hey, come play for Nebraska. You don't even have a head coach there. And I I think it's phenomenal. Hey, you got to do what you got to do when it comes to recruiting. They're going after some JUCOs, which I think is awesome. I, You know, you got to do what you got to do when it comes to getting talent in. And JUCO, that was one thing that Mike Riley never did. But... I'm loving it. Yeah. Tyler. You mentioned Cutthroat. I mean, one of the names that pops out, I think it was the very first offer, was Adrian Martinez, a Tennessee quarterback commit, who's the number seven dual threat quarterback in the country. 
They already got him lined up for an official visit December 15th. We may have him on campus before Tennessee even gets up, Coach. Uh, I mean, they are cutthroat. But, you know, on top of that, the JUCOs are interesting. Um, you know, by my counts, they have offered six JUCO players. Um, it, it's really interesting seeing where they're going after. And if you look at the positional breakdowns, um, you know, Riley and company looked at a lot of DBs and wide receivers in this class. Frost and company have started the ball the same way. I, I've counted six DBs and six wide receivers that they have made contact and offered uh, since they've been there. Uh, I think they they understand that those are two glaring holes in our roster and down in the road, and they have pushed that envelope right off the bat. What is the likelihood that we sign any of these new recruits at the early signing period? Derek? Well, I, I don't know about the, the early signing period, but they're saying that one of the earliest commits we could get is, is Jonathan Huggins, who's a safety, a four-star safety out of Florida, who is one of the Florida State commits. He's he's already decommitted, and they're saying he could very well possibly be the first commit to the Frost era. Cool. Tyler, what, what do you have? I, I, I think if... if you know, guys, I, full disclosure, everyone who's listening, I have about three pages of notes on recruiting. Um, there, there are a lot of great people that have been tracking this. HuskerHype.com uh, is a great place to look. But one of the names I think you need to be on the lookout for is Will Hamas. He is the number one Juco inside backer. And if you watch the guy play, there is a little Levante David in him. Um, I, I think you look at where he came from, and I, I say that because Juco, the guy... He flies off the screen. Um, he's a name that I think you need to look out for. He is probably among the top of the names. And the the other guy who's also an inside backer is Adoli uh, Adi. And, and I'm butchering that name, but he is the number four overall inside linebacker. And he plays at IMG Academy. Um, and I think that's just interesting that we offered him because there was no real contact. But I know Husker Faithful are still hoping for a bookie reunion. Mm-hmm. I think anything we can do to get back into IMG Academy is going to be huge for that potential. So, Tyler, you're, you're kind of the recruiting guy here. I got a really dumb question for you here. Uh, we, there's a three-star linebacker out of New Jersey that we've offered, Javante Jean-Baptiste. Is this any relation yeah. to uh, Stanley? Um, Stanley was from Miami, so I, I don't know... They, I mean, they're not from the same place. So I assume that they're not like brothers or anything. But is there some relation, or do you uh, know? I I, go- I googled that and I did not see any correlation um, from anything. Now that doesn't mean they aren't. But I that was the very first thing I did is googled siblings, uh, Javante John Baptiste after I saw him. Uh, you know, it, and you look at where he's at. You know, he, he's a guy that I think a lot of fans would be excited to have. Um, he, he's a Boston College favorite right now, but I I, I think Frosted Company could beat uh, Boston College when it comes time for a signing day. Uh, I think he, he would be a fun get for the Husker fan, just if nothing else to kind of re- bring you back to Stanley. All right, so moving on to the uh, – Tyler, you were talking about the Tennessee, you know. Uh, let's move on to the coaching carousel as it continues. Biggest news this week, outside of Tennessee not having a coach, Jimbo Fisher to A&M, $75 million over 10 years. How crazy is that? Derek, what do you think about that move? You do what you have to do when you're a big-name school. And this is the first coach to leave a school after winning a national championship since Johnny Majors left Pitt for Tennessee. And I don't know when that was. It was just a long time ago, okay? <laughs> well, didn't Nick Saban won a title at LSU, right? But he yeah, but to he went pro. to the Dolphins first. Okay. All right. Understood. Got it. The, the other news that, that just got to me was Herm Edwards at, at Arizona State. Really? That seems like the dumbest hire. And the athletic director was his agent before he was the athletic director at Arizona State. Something seems fishy about this. Something seems like uh, they're just trying to get Herm Edwards some retirement money before he decides to call it quits. 
That's what it sounds like to me. Uh, Tanner, what did you think about those? I, you know, I, I think the Herm Edwards is obviously a questionable hire. I, I you know, I, I respect Herm Edwards. I think, you know, he, he's been very involved with rookies coming in the NFL. Um, you know, you, you listen to the guy talk. He's a fun listen to. I, I will tell you this much. I would not have wanted him anywhere near the Nebraska program uh, as far as a coach. But Arizona State's a different school. Uh, you know, may, maybe, I mean, maybe he does something there. But that Jimbo Fisher hire, you know, Derek, you mentioned, or Justin, you mentioned that 10, million, uh, 10 years, $75 million. That's guaranteed. Yeah. I mean, the, the fact that they're willing to do that, we didn't offer Frost a guaranteed contract. Uh, we only offered him the first five years guaranteed. They offered him the whole 10. It's shocking. And what's more shocking to me is I I, I get that Texas A&M has the deepest pockets in the country, but I don't know why you leave Florida State. I, I, I cannot wait until the, the news breaks from some booster of what happened at that school because it's not like Florida State is sitting there with a backup plan lined up. They're scratching their heads right now trying to find a replacement, whether it be hopefully taking Willie Taggart from Oregon or settling for like a Charlie Strong, uh, Chad Morris type. I mean, God, can you imagine Chad Morris? He was coaching high school five years ago and he could be the head coach of Florida state. Uh, I mean, you know, Florida state, you know, we talked about the merry-go-round, uh, or the musical chairs of the coaching carousel, Florida state, uh, along with those dipshits in Tennessee, or look like the be the last ones without a seat in this carousel. Back to the Jimbo Fisher thing, the thing that really stuck out to me outside of the money is the way that he left Florida State. I mean, he didn't meet with the team. There was no allegiance to that team whatsoever. He, he saw that big old paycheck, and he hauled ass. And what what does that say to the new players, the A&M players, on when – the coach leaves like that, leaves his previous team. What do you think about that, Tyler? I, I don't know if I read too much into that. I, I really don't. I, I think there is not a good way to leave a program. Scott Frost is getting a little bullets thrown his way about the way he left Central Florida. I, I mean, I think it shows a little bit about his character. Um, but at the end of the day, if he turns A&M around, I don't think anyone's going to give two shits about it. I, I think it's what's going to be really interesting is how he left Florida State, and those recruits are decommitting like crazy right now. They have shown no loyalty to that program. Yeah, true. Uh, Derek? Well, you know, the one thing these Texas A&M recruits will do, or these Texas A&M players are going to do, is they're just going to watch Jimbo Fisher's house during Christmas. Because when you see that Christmas tree go out to the curb, you know he's leaving. <laughs> you know, I, I, I got to go back to the Herm Edwards thing. Tyler, I, I, I just, you blow me away. How can you come up with anything positive to say about this hire? The guy hasn't coached in 10 years, and he hasn't coached in college football in 30 years. How is this even a decent hire, yet alone a, a good hire? I mean, this, this is like the most off-the-wall hire you could uh, this is more off the wall than Mike Riley in Nebraska three years ago. You know why it's a decent hire? Because you play to win the game. That's what you do. <laughs> it, it still doesn't make sense at a Power 5 school. You know, if he just wanted to get back into coaching because ESPN's going to lay him off here shortly, that's fine. But Arizona State, shame on you for not even being creative trying to get a coach. Talk about settling. I mean, even Tennessee. Who would you rather have as your head coach? Herm Edwards, or would you rather have Greg Schiano? Honestly. Greg Schiano. Greg Schiano. Greg Schiano. There's no quite I again, I, I don't think it's a good hire. I, I I really don't, but the I I have felt that Herm Edwards, listening to him talk, he would do better in college than he would in the NFL. He he's a little preachy. Um, you know, he, he definitely can kind of I feel like he can inspire, especially younger people, to buy into him. Um, but he's never done it, and he's at the point in his career where you just you don't see it as a long term solution. Um, 
if, if Herm Edwards would have made this move six, seven years ago, shortly after he left the NFL, I, I could have seen it a little bit more. I mean, to Derek's point, he's just been out of coaching so long. He, he's, I don't know if he's really, I think he'll be an effective recruiter in the, in the household, but I, you know, I think similar to Mike Riley, I think parents will trust their kids with him, but he's never done it. Uh, mm-hmm. And I just, I, I yeah, it, it's a bad hire. I think that it, he's getting a lot of shit, and part of it's because at the press conference today, it seemed like he didn't even know the team mascot of the school he went to. I mean, he freaked out that there was a devil mention. He's like, what What? does what he sign up for? But I, I mean, that th- this could be... Uh, it could be fun. I wouldn't mind seeing him and Mike Leach going up against each other in some press conferences coming soon. Yeah. Well, having a 54 and 74 record in the NFL probably doesn't help your case very much either. No. But you know what? At least Arizona State has a head coach. Uh, has Tennessee moved on to Bo Pelini or Mike Riley yet? Because uh, I wouldn't they, mind a They are of- supposedly set to possibly announce a decision by tomorrow. Candidates that are still out there are Chad Morris, Les Miles, Kevin Steele, Mel Tucker, the uh, Georgia defensive coordinator, and Brent Venables, the uh, Clemson defensive coordinator. Now, I don't know who they've been talking to most, but those are the candidates that I've been told are out there, and I don't know I don't know who Phil, Philip Fulmer is going after here, but he's apparently did, did got somebody Kevin's- possibly lined up for tomorrow. I don't know. We'll see. Did didn't Kevin Steele go like zero and twelve at Baylor? Like, did I mean this guy? Did, he was a Nebraska guy, and yeah, year, yeah. years ago, true, true. Um, but I, I, ba- I always Baylor thought he'd was be fun hired to get back as a coordinator. But Baylor um, was also like, but Baylor was also an impossible place to win at that time, and and was until Art Bryles came along and apparently legalized rape. Jeez, <laughs> that you know who Kevin Steele's quarterback coach was. Tommy, Tommy Frazier. Damn right. Derek was down here. Wait, you were you didn't live down here during that time, did you? No. No, I think it was, I think they had just gotten fired yeah, when I got they there. Fired, they had yeah. hired a, yeah, I think it was but, but, Guy but I, Morris I just, when I got there. The fact that he is being considered for a job like Tennessee, I I mean, all respect to him. It, it just shows where this program's at. I I think though, if they could walk away with less miles in this situation. I still think that's a decent get better than they deserve. I, I'm hoping they end up with a guy like I, I, I hope T Martin goes there. I, I think T Martin that would be great for them. Derek Blackford. The 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 one school to me that just is flying completely under the radar that hasn't hired a coach yet is uh Arkansas. You know, they went after and got uh Hunter Juracek from Houston, the AD. But they haven't hired a coach yet either. And they fired Bioma. Did they, they? I mean, right after the season. Like, they went down to the friggin' field and fired him on the field. Mm-hmm. And they haven't found anybody either. And it sounds like they're looking at Mike Norvell, Chad Morris, and also Brent Venables. But th- that's one of the schools that's just completely flying under the radar. For, for who they're supposed to be hiring. Okay. I'll, I'll take the last word here. And, and you're right that Arkansas, and I think the, the interesting thing about this is with the exception of Jimbo Fisher, the SEC is getting weaker. But but we didn't really give kudos earlier in the podcast to Bill Moose for how he handled the situation. You know, he said he didn't want to fire a coach midseason. It turned out to be right because Tennessee did, did, Florida did. They didn't end up with their first choice. Uh, Bill Moose fired Riley in a pretty good way. He talked to the players. He did everything right. Schools like Arkansas, who fired their coaches off the field, they haven't found anything. Kudos to Bill Moose for doing things the right way, and it paid off with him getting a splash hire. In Moose we trust, right? (laughs) True that. Okay, guys, last night, or yesterday morning, I guess, uh, the playoff four was announced. Uh, you got Clemson, Oklahoma, Georgia, and Alabama sealing that number four slot. Uh, so it's going to be Clemson and Alabama and Oklahoma, Georgia. Uh, Derek, what did you think of the committee selections overall, especially Alabama getting in? 
at first I was absolutely pissed because their strength of schedule is terrible this year. The SEC is down. The SEC is not what it used to be. Their best win is easily LSU, who is barely a top 25 team. But I started thinking about it today, and you know, it's hard to justify putting a two-loss team ahead of a one-loss Alabama team. Yeah. You're right, um, Derek. I, You know, there's a stat, there's this out there called strength of record, and I, honest to God, cannot figure it out because Alabama is in the top four of strength of record, and I look at their schedule, and it's weak. The SEC was down. Um, you know, you know. I think that the biggest debate is Ohio State versus Alabama, and I think when you compare those teams, the, the two things I know, I think two lost teams need to do something spectacular to get in, and Ohio State, I don't know if they quite did enough spectacular, but what they definitely did is they got blown out against an average, and I use average very, very gracefully because there's nothing average about the dumpster shithole of Iowa. Uh, and they, they are, and when you lose by 30 points to them, you don't deserve the playoffs. I think mm-hmm. the team that has a little bit of gripe in this is Wisconsin. Um, you know, I oh, know they didn't no, have. No, 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 no. You got to be wrong on that. You can't. It's bad enough that you put a team that didn't even go to a conference championship. It's bad enough you put them in it. If you put Wisconsin in this playoff, yeah, they only have one loss, but it was in your conference championship. If you do that, you completely shit on the conference championships, and you just will get rid of them if you're going to put the loser of that championship game into the playoffs. I, I Fair, but the problem is, is Alabama didn't even have to play in one. Maybe Alabama would have lost to Georgia. I mean, we don't even know because they didn't even have to play to get in. So basically what we learned I think the team that has the biggest gripe is USC. They have one of the toughest strength of schedules. They only have two losses, and their two losses were to at least respectable teams. I, I think they probably have the biggest gripe out of anybody. Yeah, the problem is the Pac-12 was down this year. I, I, I just don't think – I think of the Power 5 conferences, that may have been the worst of them. I think you have two losses. You're right. They're straight. The schedule is good. Their, their losses are respectable, but they were very unimpressive in a lot of their victories. The Pac-12 was down this year. But the, the, my, my point on Wisconsin is not that they should have necessarily gotten in. I get your point on that. Negates everything. But what the, the committee told us, it is better to be at home on your couch – than to play in a game. Mm-hmm. If if they didn't, if Wisconsin wouldn't have played in that game, they would have been in. And I get that maybe LSU is a little bit more impressive than Michigan, um, but they didn't lose. And and the loss is about the same. I just I just question really. I I think they got the committee got it right, but I I think Wisconsin got a little bit of the hose job there. This is all the more reason that the. The committee is a bunch of bogus bullshit because we went back 20 years by bringing a committee in and allowing the human factor to come into deciding who should be playing for a national championship. And this is this is all the more reason why you need to make an argument there should be an 18 playoff rather than a 14 playoff. No, well, you, you, you might be right on that, but let me just point this out. If, if you would go back the final BCS standings before – the the playoffs if, if you looked at the top four seven of the last 12 years of the bcs there would be two teams from the same conference I, I i think that you look at a lot of the metrics i think that alabama would have probably still got in um but derek i'm with you i think we are five years ish um definitely under 10 from that 18 playoff i think there's two this is what I don't like about the 18 playoff. Here we are, we're nitpicking the regular season right now with four teams. You you stretch that to eight, the regular season is really going to mean garbage stuff right now. I think four teams is the perfect amount of teams to make it to make the regular season interesting. And if it comes down to getting your ass blown out by Iowa, an unranked Iowa team that seals your fate, then so be it. I mean, it, yeah. it that's why I like the four teams. 
Uh, hey, they, they, thank the good Lord that they don't have an 18 playoff right now because if they did, we wouldn't have Scott Frost in Nebraska. He would have stayed at Central Florida because he would have made the playoff. True. Uh, hey, we don't know that for sure because they were 12. Yeah, they are 12. It, it depends on the guidelines. Well, I, there's only one way to do the guidelines, but we'll, we'll, we don't have to talk about that right now. But my complaint about the committee is the lack of consistency. You know, when they first started this, they're talking about the importance of conference champions. And, you know, they use that as an excuse to keep Baylor and TCU out because they didn't have a true conference championship game. And now, last two seasons, it it doesn't matter. That, that, that's, what, that's, what, that's why I complain about the human factor. Like, your, your, your criteria has changed year in and year out. Your criteria has changed to suit what you want in the playoff. You know why they picked Alabama over Ohio State is because they didn't want to see a rematch of Clemson and Ohio State. They'd rather see a, a, a rematch between Clemson and Alabama because that was a good game. Ohio State-Clemson was a shitty game last year. I'm throwing the bullshit flag on that. I, I think that if the committee had a conspiracy theory out there, they would have put Ohio State in. Because you would have won a more of a regional separation when it comes time for playoff. I think the Alabama brand and Ohio State are very similar. They would have won a little bit more Big Ten. I, I think that the, the, the committee changing the requirements to your point, Justin, I think that every situation is different. I think what I've learned from the committee is you can't get blown out against a shitty team and lose twice and make the playoff. Penn State last year, they lost a pit. Did make the playoff. You can't lose to a bad team and have two losses and get in the playoff. I think what I've learned from the committee is that they're just full of shit. <laughs> well, what I don't like about this, this, uh, the way the playoff is right now with these four teams is that you have Alabama and Georgia in different brackets. So there's the possibility of an all-SEC championship game. And I know, you know, you probably can't fudge uh, the, the rankings of where they are. But in this case, I don't see any harm whatsoever by putting Alabama and Georgia in the same bracket. That way, you don't have the, uh, the chance for an all-SEC championship game. In a perfect scenario, the SEC gets left out altogether, and we wouldn't have to worry about it. The problem is there's real fear, and, and, and I, we aren't making our picks tonight, but there are, in my opinion, there is a real prob- chance that we might get an all-SEC championship. And it just shows how top-heavy that conference was because I, I think the SEC is going to get smoked in bowl season, and it it rested on three teams in that conference all year. Well, I, sure. will, do, I will do the same thing that I did when LSU played Alabama in the national championship, and I will boycott that game. If they're going to have two SEC teams in a, in a championship game, I don't want to see it. I, I will say this, at least at least if it's Georgia and Alabama, at least they haven't already played each other. At least it's not a rematch like the last one they did this. Hey, there's no reason to have two teams in the same conference in this in this playoff at all. Well, we'll be making our picks. Uh, we'll also be having our Husker Cuzcast bull pick them. We'll get the details out on Twitter and out on Facebook on that so everybody can – have their opportunity to challenge the cousins in the college bowl pick them. Uh, so moving on, we have the Heisman. The Heisman was released this uh, this evening. Uh, top three, you got Baker Mayfield, Bryce Love, and Lamar Jackson all in New York. Uh, what are your thoughts on this, Tyler? I, I don't know how Barkley got left at home. Yeah. Um, I mean, the guy through the first half of the season, was probably the hands-down favorite. He still ended up um, amongst the top total yard producers in the country. Uh, he played for a team that's a top 10 team. Uh, I, I just I don't know how he got left at home. And Lamar Jackson is a guy that would be easy to throw out. Um, he's a guy I would throw out. I'm not saying maybe he's not worthy, but what I don't get how Barkley didn't get sent to New York. And I, I'm just shocked by that. 
Well, as far as Lamar Jackson goes, you know, he won it last year, and his numbers have gone up. All of his numbers are better than last year. His problem is Louisville just, they weren't that good this year. So they weren't, they weren't the premier team like they were last year. Uh, but, yeah, Lamar Jackson, God, how, how many games did you watch Louisville this year? They just, they weren't that in that marquee setting all year, really, especially with Florida State being down and uh, ACC overall. Derek, what do you think? Uh, I don't have much to add to this. Uh, Baker Mayfield's going to win it. End of story. There's not much else to add. But what I do want to get into a little more is you were talking about the uh, college bull pick them. Come on, everybody, get in on this thing. Because Tyler won this thing last year, and I'm going to kick his ass this year. No I chance. Want, hey, hey, I, I am the two-time champion of the season, Pick'em. I kicked your guys' ass this year. I went 53-26. and 26, Tyler went 47-32. and 32, And Justin, 43-36. and 36. So that's two years in a row I won the season. Now this year, Tyler, I'm coming after your bull Pick'em title. The, 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 first of all, the only thing we know for sure whenever we do a Pick'em is Justin will finish last. That, that's what we know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we'll see. I'll get you guys this year. But uh, anyway, let's get out of here. You know, we got a full week of news, and it's going to be just as exciting. You know, I'm kind of dreading this off season slightly, just in the manner that you know what, Derek, we're not going to have anything to argue this off season. It's always been me, you know, being pro Riley and you anti Riley. So I don't know what we're going to do the off season when we both well, agree that we have the right guy as coach. We can so, still talk about what a shitty party. hire Riley was, if you want. Aw, <laughs> let it go, <laughs> let it go. But hey, frost go, go Frost, day. baby, go Frost. Go Frost, absolutely. All right, guys. Uh, We'll see you next week. Uh, Be sure to like us and follow us on Facebook and on Twitter. Uh, We're going to be back next week. Uh, Check out Husker Hype. We're going to have a lot of great material coming out with uh, the the assistants and the recruits. So stay tuned to HuskerHype.com. We'll see you guys next week. Bye. Say bye bye so long, see you later, take it easy, be cool, hang loose.